We're watching films on the toilet Cause that's what dads have to do When the movie's unsuitable for your kids Then pretend you need a number two If you need a break from your family or spouse There's a lavatorial picture house Watch Terminator 2 while you're sitting on the loo Enjoy the whole of Rambo 4 with your trousers on the floor We're watching films on the toilet How about you? Older son, dead before school, he waits outside on one side of the road with all the other year sevens. And the year eights wait on the other side of the road, you know, like a, an unspoken rule. And there was a loaf of bread in the middle of the road. So someone positioned it so that the passing cars would drive over the bread. And if, it, right. if a car on the year seven side passed over their side, they would cheer. Yeah. And if a car on the year eight side passed on it, they would cheer. <laughs> Or they would go, oh, if it missed. And it just, it took me back. And I thought, yeah, that, that is what it's all about. Mm. I think quite a big loaf of bread to straddle both lanes of traffic sufficiently. I think it had spilled out. Right. So it was stretched bread. So it wasn't like a baguette, for example. <laughs> yeah, it was a five foot long baguette. Yeah. I think it was just a, I don't know if it was white or brown, I could ask. It might have been one of those round sourdough loaves. Could have been seeded. Mm. There's a lot of breads, aren't there? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of breads. Should we just list breads for half an hour? Yeah, go on. How many breads can you do? Ah, uh, not many. Well, obviously. Don't Google it. I saw you looking at the screen there. Your screen changed colour. Does it? You're Googling breads. I was going to, yeah. You are. Let's see how many breads I can I can say without Google. Top of your head, no Googling breads. Okay, right. Potato bread. Okay. Is that a bread? Well, that's got bread in the title, isn't it? Oh, so we're making up breads. Potato bread is a bread. Okay. That's, that is anti-Irish racism right there. <laughs> oh, your national dish. That's not real food. It's not bread. All right, strawberry bread. <laughs> Potato bread is a thing. Uh, mince bread. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Tasty. Um, chicken bread. Chicken bread. Oh, it's delicious, isn't it? Mm. It's a chicken that's been <laughs> stuffed with damp bread and then yeah. made airtight. Oh. You then give it a slow boil. The classic boiled chicken. It's a lot like the bread we used to eat at school, isn't it? All right, darling, you want more chicken bread? No, no you're all right, miss. Thanks. No, go on, there's plenty to go around. And at the cinema, we used to go to the cinema, chicken bread. Well, that was, it was really useful because you'd hold the chicken carcass like you would a box of popcorn <laughs> and then reach it. Instead of handfuls of popcorn, it'd be handfuls of wet bread. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> classic intro, really. It was. To watching films on the toilet. If you aren't quite on board with that, then switch off now. Yeah. Because that, it's just going to keep on going. We're not suddenly going to revert to Josh Widdicombe's safe material no, about... No. Oh, isn't it annoying when you have to get on the bus and then it costs more than you thought it would? <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be like that. <laughs> Just like that. So this is a podcast about two middle-aged men who love watching films, uh, especially violent action films, but we can't watch them with our family because our children are too young. Wives don't care for that kind of stuff. So the only time we can watch them is on the toilet, in secret, in little chunk-down bits. That's what we do, you know? That's... <sighs> ben explains it perfectly in the theme tune. Just listen to that. I know, we do this every time, don't we? It's right there, right at the beginning. It's because I hold out hope that <laughs> there might be one new listener. Yeah. It's going, oh, watching films on the toilet. <laughs> I wonder what's this, what this is about. Well, that's basically why we do the film thing. 
because we're mm. in the hope that someone will see that film title and go, oh, I like that. Yeah, I like films. I like films. I'll tune in for that episode. And then 30 seconds in, they're like, what the f*** is chicken bread? <laughs> but that's We like that, so it's fine. We like chicken bread, so deal with it. It would be very dry otherwise, wouldn't it? And I mean the podcast, not the chicken bread, because that can't be dry. Sopping wet. That was never dry. <laughs> anyway, today's film is Con Air, which came out in 1997 and stars Nicolas Cage and, uh, and John Malkovich, amongst others. So um, we're going to be talking about that later, which is fun. But to start with, I have a couple of pieces of correspondence, don't we? I have one here in the email. <clears throat> So, really helpfully, this person's done a very good job of contextualising the reason for their email. So, I don't need to give it that much of an introduction. That's kind of them. It was really thoughtful of that them. That is nice of them. Yeah. Because, mm. hello, I listened with great interest to your discussion about cat burglar attire in your last episode. Ah. I feel like I might be able to shed some light on this matter since I, myself, am a cat burglar. Oh, my goodness. Mm. I must say I was quite amused at your theories that catbergs, as we call ourselves, <laughs> sorry, yeah, the shorthand in the industry. <clears throat> I must say I was quite amused at your theories. <laughs> sorry. I must say I was quite amused at your theories that catbergs, as we call ourselves, wear either tracksuits or motorbike leathers. The truth is, both are wrong. Yeah. To put you out of your misery, here's a comprehensive breakdown of the stuff we wear when we're going out burging. <laughs> okay. Socks, vests, thermal leggings, grey slacks, argyle knit sweater, fisherman's jerkin, jumpers, high-vis tabard, satin jumpsuit, <laughs> bomber jacket, denim hot pants, a bonnet, oven gloves, a big nappy, flip-flops, shawl, and a bin bag. Yours sincerely, George Hurst, Belmarsh Prison. Oh, wow. Oh, oh. So I feel like the uh, the subtext of that is that outfit that he wore ultimately led to him getting captured. I think so. What stood out to me in that, in that list, and then we get a lot of lists in our letters, don't we? We do, yeah. They're the ones you read normally. They, they are, yeah. <laughs> um, They're really I, easy I, to... <laughs> <laughs> I, thought the, uh, I thought the nappy was very practical. Yes. That's a really good idea, because if you're burging... Burging, yeah. Then um, you don't want to be caught short, have to use a toilet, because yeah. you throw your DNA all up in that. Don't you? Yeah. Well, exactly. So there's that also um, uh, oven gloves. There's no way you'll get your fingerprints on anything. <laughs> no. I mean, they're not... It's difficult to crack a safe with with an oven glove on, wouldn't it? Would, but I guess if, if you're an experienced yeah. cat burger... Then... And, and these are the ones that are joined together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the middle. Of course. They're not individual gloves. They've got that, the joint bit. Because you might lose one. You're not going to lose that. Also, if you were going to steal a casserole, yeah. it'd be ideal for that, wouldn't it? Any hot dish. So, Ben, did you have a bit of... Well, Eamon, you reminded me last week that we haven't heard from our resident rapper slash street poet... Big turkey neck for a long time. No. Um, so just as a, a reminder to, to anyone that might have forgotten or hasn't heard before, uh, Big Turkey Neck. I happened to stumble upon a book of his rhymes 
in a public toilet uh, quite some time ago, and I shared a couple. They're absolute dynamite. So here we go. So this is this is the next page in his book. <clears throat> so big turkey neck. Been chatting to this gal online for some time. Been chatting to this gal online. She's so fine. Been chatting to this gal online. Could she be mine? Been chatting to this gal. She lives in Palestine. Says she's coming home to visit her fam. Got some relatives that live in West Ham. Wants to see the sights on an open bus tour. Westminster Abbey and the M&M store. Told my boy Keith Davis about her. But he's not sure. Good old Keith Davis. This gal's too pen to be rolling with you. Why you getting gas fam? She's too good to be true. She's parring you bruv. It's a blatant trick. It's an old man with a beard and a 10-inch husband. A 10-inch husband? What are you chatting about, brother? Good afternoon, Mrs. <laughs> Good afternoon, Mrs. Turkey Neck, Keith says to my mother. We were chatting about the gal your son met on the gram. Yeah, Ke- <clears throat> yeah, Keith says she's married to a very small man. That's not quite what I meant. I was being polite. But there's something about her that doesn't seem right. Mum said, make sure you wear a really nice cologne. Then I saw some unread messages on my phone. Keith had sent a pic of a really large phallus. And the gal had asked to meet me outside Buckingham Palace. (laughs) Waiting for an Uber on the street outside my house, all I could think about was her minuscule spouse. (laughs) Rocked up to the palace, said she'd be a bit late. So I waited for a while and saw a gnome beside the gate. As I got a little closer, realised it weren't a gnome, but this tiny little guy who was texting on his phone. Man was vexed, said he'd been standing in the cold for bare time, waiting for this girl that he'd married online. I said, this gal doesn't happen to come from Palestine. He dropped his phone and let out a sort of high-pitched whine. We waited for a bit, but the catfish didn't show. Told little mandem, We'd been played. But he said, you never know. Maybe she's got lost or the traffic's bare slow. I'll wait a little bit longer. Don't worry, you can go. So I got a bus home and I left him standing there. Went pub with Keith Davis and he said, fam, to be fair, I met some gal online last year, made man feel really silly. Some 60-year-old guy who said he had a 10-inch mum walked in the bar and the conversation ended. Don't know what it was about that man that left Keith so offended. But if you happen to be walking around Queen Elizabeth's yard and you spot a little gnome by the gate standing guard and he asks if you've seen this girl that he met on Instagram, say yeah. And she was asking if I'd seen a 10-inch man. Oh. That's that's it. That was the poem. That's a wonderful uh, story, that. Many twists and turns. I didn't quite know where it was going to go. What I like about it is the first verse is very much a kind of mm. I mean I, I'm no expert but it felt like it had the, the rhyming structure of a modern day grime tune yeah yeah and almost immediately it turns into a traditionally structured poem traditionally structured long form poem <laughs> long form poem oh well, there's something I forgot at the end oh yeah it was on the next page because it took up a whole page. It says, shut your mouth. Oh, I love it when he does that. So, yeah. So, who knows? We Maybe we'll hear from Big Big Tech. Please, come on, BTN. So, there we go. Any toilet news, Eamon? Yeah. Of course, we've got some toilet news. Right. 
Nearly one in six adults have gobbled snacks while on the toilet, according to research. Oh, my. A poll of 2,000 adults has re- revealed the strangest places they have snucked into a snack. Mm. More than one in five chomping in the bath. Um, and 18% nibbling in the shed. The shed? <laughs> With one in 20 feeling peckish from getting hot and steamy in the bedroom. Oh, how many on the toilet? One in six. Okay. Oh, eating on the toilet, I know. Have you ever done that? No, I have had a drink on the toilet before. The bath I find odd. I do. Like, that would give you a stomachache, I think. Depends what you're eating. Yeah, I guess if you're eating, like, a handful of glass, that, would, that wouldn't that would be good. Yeah, you should never eat a handful of glass in the bath. No, <laughs> that would give you a stomachache. Mm. That's what I meant. I don't like the idea of being all wet and sudsy and, and also eating something as well. A wet hand to food? Mm. I read about, there's Charlie Brooker. He was so addicted to cigarettes that he used to smoke in the shower. In the shower? Yeah. I'm not quite sure how you do that. I guess you wash with one hand and keep another hand out. Or you cut a hole in the shower curtain that you can poke your head through. That's smart. Yeah, but what about where would you keep the cigarette? You'd have to have it on a, like a hanger. Or a stand. Like a mic stand, but it's just a single cigarette there, which you have to light before you get in. You then poke Mm. your head through the shower curtain, puff away, and then... Presumably you have both hands, you can suds up your ball sack and your back and everything like that. Your main parts. Yeah. But you have wet lips though, that would mess it up, wouldn't it? Well, I imagine that you would uh, poke your head through first and then turn on the uh, shower. I'm assuming he would. He was doing this during the shower, you know, like... What, have like multiple you, cigarettes? You wouldn't do it all at once. Like poke your head through the whole thing. <laughs> See what you mean. You know, you'd, you'd poke your head through multiple times, I imagine. That is a conundrum. Well, maybe he's got like a really long pipe that goes uh, to like a cigarette that's in the other room. Yeah. Have you ever eaten a, a snack in the shed? Just stay in the house. Why would you? But you don't even have a shed, do you? I've got two, mate, and I built one of them from scratch. Did you? To suck it. Oh, yes. oh yay. Oh, well done. Yeah, that's right. And do you know what? It was through, through leftover bits of wood from the garden fence, which I also built. I didn't realise you were such an alpha male. Just very practical and handy. Yeah, you are, aren't you? I'm like the old-fashioned, strong, silent type. You're a lot more right-wing since you built that shed. It has made me more, more right-wing. Yeah. It made me scared of, of an immigrant stealing it. Yeah. No, we, we did have a shed. Uh, we actually just had it ripped apart and taken down. Did you rip it apart yourself? It was, no. <laughs> God, no. Pay someone to do it. Yeah. I had a, a real man to do it. Get my hands dirty doing that. Mm. Disgusting. Very soft hands, Amy. Yeah. I'm just smoothing my fingers together. Can you hear this? Can't hear it because they're so soft. So soft. If Eamon was to do that... Let me try mine. Quite different. See, that's what I'm saying. Can't hear my fingers. They're the soft hands of a soft man. Whereas you, Eamon, you're a... Very hard, sort of uh, racist man. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, on to Con Air. We love a film that we can watch on the toilet, don't we? And this is a a classic. I watched it on uh, Amazon Prime. And I was able to sit in my toilet house and take it in in four sittings. Mm -hmm. It took me eight sittings. Twice as many as me. Yeah. What have you drunken for me to provide me with time in which to do my summer wee of the film uh, i was looking for inspiration mm. uh for a drink and then i took it from nick cage film leaving las vegas where he's uh he's an alcoholic who 
goes to Las Vegas to drink himself to death. He does. So I matched him drink for drink. Wow. Every time he drank, I, I drank. And and how did that go? Uh, I lost about five days. <laughs> did you end up in hospital? At one point, I think I was in hospital. Like, I can't be sure. That's, that's an adventure. Mm-hmm. Leaving Las Vegas is really is really about the kind of adventures that you can have when you really indulge in alcohol, isn't it? It really does glamorise alcohol, doesn't it? It makes it look delicious. So it was quite an appropriate mm. thing. Misjudged. <laughs> okay, cool. So how long do I get? And thank you for that. A minute and 12 seconds. All right, I think I can do it. Right, go. So Nick Cage is an army ranger who returns to Alabama to be reunited with his pregnant wife. Unfortunately, he gets in a fight outside a bar, ends up accidentally killing someone and gets sent to prison. Oops. Eight years later, he served his time and he's heading back home to meet his daughter on a prison transport plane, which also happens to be carrying some of the country's most dangerous prisoners, including John Malkovich, Bing Rames, Steve Buscemi, Dave Chappelle and Danny Trejo. The flight is overseen by a liberal US Marshal played by John Cusack and an incompetent DEA agent played by Colm Meany. And they butt heads throughout the film. When the prisoners hijack the plane, it's up to Nick and John Cusack to stop them very gradually, not before they've killed a lot of innocent people and done a lot of property damage. The plane ends up landing on the Las Vegas Strip. There's a fire truck chase and Malkovich gets his head crushed by a head-crushing machine. Finally, Nick Cage is reunited with his wife and daughter and a mass-murdering escapee tries his luck at the craps table. The end. All right, Ben, well, I can tell you that took a minute and 12 seconds, so you did it in exactly your allotted time. Uh, that's good. That's spot on, then. Mm-hmm. I just noticed something, Ben. Yes, Eamon? Your audio all of a sudden seems much better than it, than it was just now. <laughs> I know. So we are recording this chat about the film after what we refer to as the surround, yeah. aren't we? Um, and yes, yeah, something went wrong with my audio. I think maybe the laptop mic recorded it instead of my microphone, which I was very cross with. So basically now we've retreated to your the full velvety softness. Sultry, sultry, Ben. I did say to you that I got very cross when I was editing it uh, to the point where I considered recording my entire audio track for the episode again. Yeah. But then I decided that would be... That would be pointless. So anyway, so but what will happen, unfortunately, is don't get used to Ben's lovely voice. Yeah. As soon as this film chat stops, we then go back to the bit we recorded earlier. His voice sounds tinny as hell and just rubbish. Don't worry, I'll give you a warning. <laughs> yeah, he'll count you in. <laughs> I'll count you in, it's fine. <laughs> Good. What do you think of Nick Cage in general? He's not a subtle actor. In, in whatever he does, he's very over the top. It's not a film, but my favourite appearance of his was on Wogan. Cartwheeled out onto the stage and threw money at the audience. It's amazing. That's which so is the funny. greatest entrance of all time. Yeah, I think... And, and actually, I think this kind of film works really well, well for him because it's an over-the-top film. So it, it requires an over-the-top performance. It certainly is. I mean... I wouldn't say it's one of his best performances. It's become almost like a point of parody. I, th- I yeah. think this was so over the top, the, the kind of the honourable southern gent yeah. who's like hard as nails, chinning everyone, but out well, of love. The thing is, because initially when he goes to the bar, the accent, it's not completely ridiculous. It's almost like they shot that a year or so before they did the rest of the film. Yeah. And then when he's in the prison and he's narrating the letters, mm. then you get the 
the full thump of the Alabama town. Dear Casey, thank you for sending me those letters. I can do a handstand press up. I mean, it's almost Forrest Gump, isn't it? It's it's very close. It does make him sound dumb. Yeah. I'm not going to say that the Alabama accent makes people sound dumb, mm-hmm. but Nick Cage's version of it does make him sound dumb. And they do sound dumb as well, don't they, <laughs> the people from Alabama? I thought you I thought you mm. might say that. But they are. No, no, no. That's not what I said. But, no. but that's what you meant. <laughs> One thing I did quite like about it, it does a very, it takes all the guesswork out of this film. Yes. So the first time you see John Cusack, you see him wearing socks and sandals. So you're yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's liberal. Yeah, he's a bit liberal. Yeah. The first time you see Colm Meany, he parks in a handicapped spot. So, okay, he's a douchebag. Yeah. And in a, in a way, I kind of respect it in that really? I'm going to do all the hard work for you, like this man, and don't like this man. So yeah. this is the good, good guy. This is the annoying good guy. Yeah. This is the, the bad guy who you kind of like, and this is the bad, bad guy. It's all that work is, the, work and, is and, done and, for you. know, you. Nicolas Cage's character work... Mm-hmm. he's all wrapped up within the first three minutes. He's an army man who accidentally kills someone mm-hmm. and now he's getting out of prison. And that's it. He's sent to prison for involuntary manslaughter, I think, is the, uh, the yes. crime he commits. So you know I love lists, don't you? Oh, you, you, you get a kick out of a list. So I, I was gonna, I'm, I'm just basically wondering what crime you would be willing to commit in order to protect your wife. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to read out a number of crimes. Okay. And you either say yes or no. Right, so I'm doing this to protect my wife. To protect your wife, yeah. These are all actual crimes, by the way. Arson. Okay, arson, yeah. Abstraction of electricity. Oh, yeah. Activities relating to opium. Yeah. Agreeing to indemnify sureties. <laughs> I think so. Armed robbery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Being drunk on an aircraft. Yeah. C- contamination of goods with intent. Oh, don't know about that. Okay. S- yeah. Sex with adult relative. <laughs> you should throw that in there to catch me out. No. <laughs> um, counterfeiting customs documents. Yeah. I mean, that's a gimme, isn't it? Yeah. Firing on revenue vessel. <laughs> a revenue vessel? On a re- yeah, don't know what that means. Like a inland revenue vessel? I'm assuming they got some boats. I don't yeah. know. Like a tax boat. Yeah, yeah tax boom. boat. Oh, yeah, I'd do that for free. Okay, light treason. Light treason, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not an actual crime. That's I got that from Arrested Development. <laughs> uh, keeping <laughs> this is this is a real crime. Keeping a disorderly house. Oh no, no, no. That I couldn't. You do couldn't that. do that. No, ugh. <laughs> live in that. Wanton or furious driving. <laughs> yeah. Placing wood etc. on railway. So derailing a train. Mm. Oh, that's bad, isn't it? It's my wife though. Mm. So yeah. Okay. And uh, stirring up racial hatred. <laughs> nope we wouldn't do that nope, tried to catch me out again yeah okay not not going to agree to that okay well i did get you saying yes a lot so once you the did. edit is completed <laughs> see how that pans out oh good that was really really eye-opening there you gave those a lot of thought well done yeah i tried not to but i kind of had to yeah no i like that was good and then of course we have john malkovich overemphasizing every single word he says yeah, I I don't think he's brilliant as a bad guy in this. No, I don't think he is. Really. I, he's too he's too actively like Danny Trejo is a far better convincing bad guy because at one point I think we said before he at one point he was a bad guy. 
yeah, like an actual he was a bank robber. Um, he's, he's a presence, isn't he? He has a presence to him, and and he is quite scary in his demeanour. Whereas yeah. some rather trained thespian pretending to be a tough guy is just not going to work. Um, who else have we got? We've got Dave Chappelle. Yes! He's pretty fun. I was sad he wasn't in it for longer. I read that he improvised a lot of his lines, and that didn't really surprise me. Yeah, so yeah he was funny. I mean, the sense of humour in general in the film is very mean. It's very mean spirit. It's very patchy as well because there's, yeah. there's some really. Most of it is god awful, like really yeah. terrible kind of jokes. But there's one bit in particular that really tickled me, which is when Cyrus the Virus asked the like the head guard, "What's the in-flight movie?" He, yeah. he says it's called I'll Never Make Love to a Woman on the Beach Again and it's yeah. preceded by the award-winning short No More Steak for Me Ever. <laughs> it's like, well, that's really, that was good. That's a good joke and he delivered it that really well. Good. I mean, that that's haunting, isn't it? No More Steak for Me Ever. <laughs> you imagine that? Well, I can't because I only eat meat. I know, exactly. Don't reveal that until later on in the podcast. So <laughs> another meta moment for you there, letting you inside our process. It's quite funny when... Dave Chappelle's body lands on the car. Yes, that was fine. Again, funny. not really fair on those people. In a way, I kind of respected the filmmaker in that when we cut to that couple in the car, it suddenly plays this real comedy piece of music and it's yeah. very much setting up <laughs> something's about to happen to these two, this couple of characters, which yeah. they're probably not going to like. And there's a body landing on their car. What do you think of the uh, the nicknames? The nicknames are pretty good. So what we got? We got Cyrus the Virus. Cyrus the Virus. You got Diamond Dog, who's uh, yeah, it works. That's Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. We've got Billy Bedlam, with the guy with the yellow teeth. What would your uh, what would your prison nickname be? What about Ben or Chinu? Oh, I like that. It's got a contracted form of mm. Ben Will. Yeah. In there. Benel. That's that's unique. Yeah. You don't see that very often. No. It's more like a sentence. Mm. Oh, Ben or Chinu's coming. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. What about you? What about Tough Eamon? That's got a ring to it. Ooh, that's good. That's pretty good. You wouldn't mess, you wouldn't tangle with that guy, would you? It does sound like you're in an Irish prison now, in my head, for some reason. <laughs> you wouldn't tangle with Tough Eamon. So Ben Ochinu and Tough Eamon. Ah, good. It's hmm. <laughs> weird. Um, since we're so tough, have you ever been shot in the arm and just kept going forward? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that is... It's interesting. I, I think there has been a bit of a. I don't think the mic's going to hear you like that. Sorry. I mean, you're 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 a fine one to talk about microphone mishaps. Th- that wasn't meant for the podcast. That was just. Me I'm keeping that in you. to teach you a lesson. I put my I put my my eyes over over my the top half of my face, and Ben you was put going. Put your eyes over the <laughs> top half of your face. That's right. Come on, if you're picking apart everything that yeah. someone says, I'm going to edit that bit out. And just go straight to me saying, I put my hands over my face. <laughs> oh, and then Ben, God. He, he can't even plug in a, a microphone, has your audacity we, to pick We're recording up this it. at the tail end of the week. It's been a weird, long, busy week. It has been, you know, yeah. just forgive us. Forgi- we should forgive each other. I'll, yeah, okay. <laughs> Crutchingly. <laughs> Um, I got shot once. So I was lying down with my mouth wide open. Yeah. And the bullet went in my mouth mm. and straight out of my back end. Did it? Yeah. Like all the way through like your intestines? All the way through in a straight and line. And did it cause any internal damage or? No, it broke a lamp. Oh. There's a lamp behind me. So did so... it look like you fired a bullet out of your rear end? Yeah, it did. It was brilliant. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I tried it again mm-hmm. and then it 
blew my teeth out. So that was the end. You did also get get shot by Jensen Button. Do you not remember? Yeah, in the face of the blunderbuss. Blunderbuss, wasn't it? Do you remember all That's that stuff true. he put in it? He shot into your I face. Don't, I don't. I don't want to talk about that though. Another really good list that was. That was a good that list. Was a good list. <laughs> a really good one. It was a very strong list. Yeah. I'm basically becoming flipping Ronnie Barker. <laughs> That's how I just like making lists now. Can't actually be yeah. bothered to write actual jokes. I'm just going to write a list of things that sound funny. But they work. They do. They do work. It's a slippery slope, isn't it? Soon I'm going to get like really into spoonerisms. And I know they're they're sort of well-loved national treasures. I think they're dog shit, the two Ronnies. Oh, I, I watched a bit of them at Christmas with my son and... We really enjoyed them. I think everyone gets mistaken. Four Candles, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. They've, nothing else they've done is good. Nothing. <laughs> no, it was funny. It was funny. There was like a best of thing. It was It was just... Ben, you're mistaken. It's all terrible. Oh, so, oh Do you not God, remember sorry. it was terrible? Sometimes I just forget. T- I just take forget a beat things. And then yeah, remember sorry. that it was terrible. They're terrible. I didn't enjoy it at Christmas with my son. That's right. They're terrible. Thanks. Everything's bad. Okay. <laughs> cool. Good. We're back on track. Back on track. Yeah, um, good. <laughs> there was something in this. So I think we've talked before. I remember when we l- watched Seven, mm. there was a lot of terrible crime scene work. Right, And yes. tampering. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Pitt, I think at the beginning of Seven, he he, sort of, he just picks things up and... Oh, he, that's it. He snots on the floor, doesn't he? He actually blows his nose on the floor of a crime scene. Yeah. In this film, right at the end, Danny Trejo has died on the plane and he's hanging like by one arm mm-hmm. and the guys who find him the police who find him say yeah this one's dead we better get him out of here why do they need to get him out of the plane like why do they need to remove him from the crime scene immediately surely they should leave him there and assess everything that's gone on yes the the only reason for that is the audience getting closure on that character there, yeah. There's no film-based reason to do that. There's nothing. Like, there's, yeah, there is no reason to remove that body immediately. <laughs> Someone could have come, come in, looked directly at the camera and gone, Danny Trejo's dead. <laughs> He's dead. The idea that you go to a massive crime scene mm. and everyone's like, right, get these bodies out of here as quick as you can. <laughs> I just, it doesn't make any sense. I just, I think I like collecting these bad forensics. Mm-hmm. That could be a podcast in its own right. We'll call it pre-CSI poor forensic work is that a good name for a podcast I need a little bit of a workshop that one on the toilet yes yeah okay sold okay there we go pre-CSI <laughs> poor forensic crimes on the toilet I mean it scans beautifully doesn't it how would you get to Vegas would you land a plane on the strip it certainly seems like the most straightforward way to go about it doesn't it it makes sense it's quick you're there if you landed the plane you could step out Going to the casino actually makes quite a lot of sense. I do like that. Uh, I mean, I've never been to Vegas, but I'm assuming the strip isn't that wide and obstacle-free that you could lie, you could land. There is no an no aircraft way. that size on it relatively unimpeded. Absolutely no way mm-hmm. that that you would be getting away with that. I have been to Vegas. You have, haven't you? Had a great time. So you met your wife in Vegas, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No. Okay, no. banding the first rule of improv there, Ben. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but look, Eamon, as we've established, I am willing to do a lot of things to protect my wife. You are. And one of those things is... Stirring up racial hatred. (laughs) Is putting a stop to your silly improv. And that is what I did. That is one of the... uh, That made my long list of crimes. Is that a crime? Putting Putting a stop to improv. Putting a stop to improv, yeah. Saying no in an improv. (laughs) That's right. Benjamin, 
Would you? Um, that's not my name. What's my name? Oh, um, Ben Chinyi. Ben Chinyi. Ben Chinyi. Yes, tough Amen. <laughs> Would you flush this film down the toilet, round the mm-hmm. U-Bend, never to be seen again? Yeah. Or would you pull it out of the toilet with gloved hands, lovingly Ooh. place it in a holding tank for all your most special films? So for the first half of this film, I was thinking, oh my, is this actually going to end up in the tank of glory? And then after the halfway point, I thought, no, I'd actually flush it. Mm. Um, I was enjoying it. And then I really lost interest. It just got really stupid and I didn't care anymore. So no, <laughs> I would flush it. Yeah. But it was fun. It was fun to revisit it. But it, I, it's not a classic. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I would mirror your, your sentiments. I think first half I was pleasantly surprised. After that kind of junkyard scene, I was like, nah, this is a bit rubbish. Nah, you're all right, mate. Do you know what I mean? Not being funny. Not I've being funny. Don't care for this film. Yeah, not being, not being funny. Mm. We're actually not. We're not being funny. That was the. Uh, that's what we should have called this podcast. Not being funny on yeah. the toilet. That's actually quite good. That is quite good, isn't it? We're not being funny on the toilet. That works better than the other one. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a mouthful. There we go. Maybe. Okay, so now it's back to my terrible tinny death voice. Oh God! And well, I actually, I was just going to spoil who won the top five, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Because we already know, but uh, yeah. stay tuned. We know, but you don't. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> Great. So that was Con Air. Mm. And now on to this week's top five. Yes. This week we are going to guess each other's top five Nick Cage movies. Right. Well, uh, I lost last time. So I get to go foist. Okay. I'm going to say Duplicate, Raising Arizona. No. Oh, damn it. I think I've seen it. I don't really remember it. Okay, then for you, Leaving Las Vegas? <laughs> yes. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. It's like a prequel to the Hangover films, isn't it? Yeah. Right, so that's 1-0 to you, damn it. Right, I'm going to say... This is out there. I'm going to say Mandy. Yeah. Yes. Not seen it. It's very Nick Cage. All right. Next for me, this is a duplicate. Adaptation. Yeah. It's a great film, isn't it? But I remember it being being funny, weird, but also quite affecting as well because he plays his, his twin brother, doesn't he? Yeah, it, it was a great performance and he, he pulls them out of the bag. Wow, I guess that's 2-1 to you. I have to get this right. Yeah. Damn it. Okay. Duplicate. Face off. No. <sighs> no, I didn't pick face off. Why not? It's not that good. We saw it together. That doesn't mean it's good. Mm. Go on then. Top five. I had Raising Arizona, Leaving Las Vegas, Adaptation, Face Off and Kick-Ass. I also had Kick-Ass and Adaptation and Mandy. Yeah. And then I had two recent Nick Cage films, which I really enjoyed. One called The Trust with Elijah Wood and Pig. I thought about putting that one down, but I wasn't sure. So there we go. So I, I done a win again. Done another win. That's I am win. That's two back to back. Oh, that's good. No, it's not good. Okay, so your forfeit this week, Eamon, mm. is to defend your wife's honour. Oh, okay. I like that. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to leave that with you. Wide open. All right. Uh, we've, we're also recording this after um, oh, yeah. the, the rest of it. So yeah. again... 
I hope you enjoy this brief spell. Of, of <laughs> <laughs> glorious audio. Let's let this go on a bit longer. Just say some words. Just say some words. Just, Just say some words. words. Oh, some sultry words. Yeah. Oh, I'll do, you know, you know who's got a sultry voice? The co-op pre-recorded checkout lady. Oh yeah. Please put your items in the bagging area. Oh yeah. Put your heavy items. <laughs> <laughs> bet, you, bet you'd like to bag her up, wouldn't you? Don't know what that Ooh. means. Oh, uh, a bit rude. Mm. Um, <laughs> don't, don't know. Ruder than putting your junk in the bagging area. I I didn't say that's that. Men, I didn't say that. I said put something heavy. That's not what I said. Oh, yeah, that's right. Your junk's quite light, isn't it? <laughs> God, I, I'm wrapping this up. I've, unfortunately, I would have kept this going for long, but Amy's Amy's just gone all filthy. So we're going back to my rubbish voice. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that'll be good. Mm. And then last week, well, you did another forfeit. So the, really taking its toll, I can tell. I know. You had to solve a, a problem, didn't you? Yes, yeah, so I had to solve the Birch and Swinerton die conjecture, one of uh, eight Millennium Prize problems, unsolved math problem. Here's how I got on. So my forfeit this episode was to solve the Birch and Swinerton die conjecture, an unsolved maths problem. Don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I did get an A in maths at GCSE. I've got a nice hot pot of coffee in the go, Play to Jammy Dodgers. Hopefully I'll have this cracked in no time. Okay, first things first, let's have a little look on Wikipedia. In the early 1960s, Peter Swinerton and I used the EDSAC2 computer to calculate the number of points modulo P denoted by NP for a large number of primes P on elliptic curves whose rank was known. For these numerical results, Birch and Swinerton and I conjectured that NP for a curve E with rank R obeys an asymptotic law. So pi P greater than X NP over P equals C log brackets X R as X arrow infinity, where C is constant. Hmm, interesting. Yes, yes, very good. Maybe I'll just see if there's a video on YouTube about it. ...made the final connection of the rank with complex analysis. They noticed that several elliptic curves could be modeled with something known as an L function, and became convinced that this could successfully be applied to all elliptic curves. The Riemann zeta function is also one of these special L functions, although arguably the most special. Okay, the video, also really interesting. Just wondering if there's a slightly more accessible way into this. I'll just see if there's a Sparks Notes on it. So, no Sparks Notes. It's now 3.30am. I think it's time for me to crack on. I'm feeling pretty determined. I'm like a dog with a bone with things like this. I'm just going to keep going until I solve it. It's now four days later. I've been awake for 93 hours straight. I've had eight gallons of coffee, and too many jammy dodges to count. My heart is racing and I keep blacking out, but the good news is I'm pretty sure I have an ironclad solution to the Birch Swinerton die conjecture. I was visited by the ghost of Blaise Pascal last night, who took one look at my workings, and gave me a big thumbs up and a simple tres bien. I'm currently on hold to Lord Thomas Barclay, Professor Emeritus of Mathematics at Cambridge University to present my findings. Oh, here we go. I believe you have the answer to the Swinerton Dyer conjecture, a problem that has plagued the world's greatest minds for years. I do, Lord Barclay. I definitely do. 100%. Then please tell me, what is the solution to the Swinerton Dyer conjecture? Okay, Lord Barclay, listen up. 
it's this. Dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. Wavy lines. P over N, where N is N. 8 equals equals D epsilon to the power of percentage at maths. I think he's in shock. Oh, good. Well, well done. Mm. So next time, Eamon, we are going to indulge in a little bit of Bayhem. <laughs> okay. Which is not something we've done before. It's not. So uh, we're going to watch Ambulance, oh. which is a new Michael Bay starring Jake Gyllenhaal. How do you feel in general about, about Michael Bay? I don't like him. I don't like his stupid, shit-eating <laughs> grin face. Yeah, but, you know, let's not give the impression that we're writing it off before we've seen it. No, I'll give it a fair shake. Yeah, But absolutely. expectations are set to low. <laughs> well, then that's a good thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. can only exceed our expectations. We'll see. All right, well, mm-hmm. thank you for listening, as ever. Uh, well done, if you made it past the chicken bread. Yeah. And um... Chicken bread is very much the gatekeeper of this episode. If you can't get past the chicken bread, then the show's over. Uh, so yeah, we're on we're on the social medias. We need to shout them out. They get enough attention, don't they? Yeah, we're on all the right wing ones now. We're on Parlour. <laughs> we're desperate to get on Trump's one. True Social, whatever that sets up. <laughs> you big us up in your shed, don't you? On those in your right wing shed. Yeah, yeah. All, all my uh, my mates are on uh, <laughs> on Trump Social. We love it. Yeah, they they love it, don't they? Mm-hmm. We go, should we do one of those Patreons at some point? Should we do that? Yeah. Do you think anyone would do it? We've got nothing to lose, have we? Pride. I think a little bit of pride. Again, as a soft man, I have no pride. As a rugged outdoorsman with abundant pride, I feel there's a huge amount to be lost. Yeah. Debilitating pride, I would say. There's many things you won't do because your pride gets in the way. It would make my Stetson shrink. <laughs> you won't hug your children. You won't compliment your wife. Don't compliment my wife. Don't make eye contact with my family. Yeah. I only eat meat yeah. for dinners. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Not even carbs. I'd be like, yeah. where's my meat? We won't go to any restaurant. Don't listen to any music. Because no. I think it might be uh, in some way a bit fruity. A bit perverse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of the above. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep thinking about that. Okay. Well, Eamon, over to you. You big prideful gorilla man. <laughs> Keep flushing. (laughs) 